0: Log
1: Talk Radio. Hi, this is Marnie Swedberg, and I welcome you to Marnie and Friends, a place where leaders share practical, helpful, and encouraging ways to get anything important done faster, better, and smarter. Right now, I encourage you to sit back, buckle up, and join us for fun, laughter, practical help, and clear thinking, the kind of discussion that focuses our attention off of the fluff and on to the most important stuff in life. Again, welcome to Marnie's Friends. Let's get going. Welcome, welcome to you. This is Marnie Swedberg, and I'm excited to welcome you to this marriage training program this afternoon with our special guest, Rhonda still of NoRegretsWoman.com. We're going to be talking about the Ms. Wives Believe. And there are some doozies. So during the next hour, you're going to discover what every wife wishes is true, but isn't. The truth about falling out of love and what you can do about it. The number one divorce myth that you might conquer today, or that you must conquer today if you want to save your marriage. How successful wives think about sex, and it might not be what you think. Uh, Why more money won't solve your marriage problems, but what can. Eight steps to making peace after a fight and all couples fight. How to grow your marriage instead of shred it during difficult circumstances, and the biggest marriage myth of all, and why you need to own the truth about that today. Our guest is Rhonda Stokes. She's an author, speaker, and dedicated to helping women live life with no regrets. With over 20 years of experience as a mom, mentor, and pastor's wife, her latest book is just out, If My Husband Would Change, I'd Be Happy. You can always learn more about her over at com. Welcome to you, Rhonda. Thank you so much for having me today, Marty. I'm excited to be here. Okay, and we're not being able to hear you very well at all. When we were doing the testing earlier, you sounded great, and now you're off in a tunnel somewhere. Can you uh, adjust anything there better? to help us be able to hear you better? Oh, so much better. Thank you. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Excellent. Well, we we visited with you before about parenting issues, and now we're excited to talk to you about wives, and I am... So curious about what every wife wishes is true, but isn't. (laughs) Well, the title of my new book, published through Harvest House Publishers, and actually it'll be available August first. I'm so excited about this book. Is if my husband would change, I'd be happy. And then the subtitle is and other myths wives believe. Uh, My husband, my husband's a pastor, and we do biblical marriage counseling. And in over 30 years of counseling married couples. When wives can actually get their husbands into our office, they're secretly thinking, oh, good, now we're going to fix him and I'm going to be happy. And so that's only oh. the first <laughs> myth that we talk about in my new book. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think for for wives, having the understanding, you know, I speak a lot at women's events. And I remember one time I was doing a, a um, Valentine's uh, tea and I was talking about... Remember the wife that you meant to be. Remember when you walked down the aisle and, you know, my Mm -hmm. husband had a white tuxedo and tails on. It was in the 80s. Don't judge me. I had the big hat and all that. But you knew the wife you were going to be. I mean, you were going to be awesome. His best supporter greatest encourager. You were going to have sex with him anytime any time he wanted, every night. And there were all kinds of hopes and dreams of the kind of wife you meant to be and the ideals of the kind of husband that you thought he was going to be. And as life gets in the way and as things get busy, oftentimes, if we really step back and evaluate, um, wives regret some of the ways that they talk to their husbands, some of the um, responses that they have had. I can think back of conversations I had with my husband that would get heated and through tears. It's like looking at his face like, how can I help you with what it is you're dealing with? And you can't take those words back. So my heart is to help women build a no-regrets marriage. In fact, my um, my name is the No Regrets Woman because I believe that God has called the older women to teach the younger how to love their husbands and love their children And my first book, Moms Raising Sons to Be Men, has been, I think it's in its third printing, and moms are just desperate for mentors. And I found the same, wives are desperate for godly mentors to help them be the wives that they had hoped that they would be. Hmm, Absolutely. So what do you think, if you were to boil it down, what is it that every wife wishes was true but isn't? I think, you know, we've watched so many... um, Disney movies and the prince comes and sweeps the princess off and she lives happily ever after because the prince rescued her or or whatever and what we have to come to a realization is that God created us to find our worth and our significance in relationship he created us to find our value and our happiness in relationship but the truth is it's not in the relationship with our prince charming it's in a relationship Mm -hmm. with him God put Adam and Eve in the garden, and then he walked and talked with them in the cool of the day in a relationship. When Adam and Eve sinned and his spirit left them, you know, the first time he walks into the garden and they're hiding, you know, and he says, where are you guys? Of course he knew where they were, but they were all of a sudden ashamed, and that intimacy that they had with their creator was lost. And because of their sin and their shame and they're, you know, putting the fig leaves on and hiding from the Lord, and he starts asking, where are you, helping them realize, I'm hiding from the one that I was created to love the most. So what I love doing is helping wives realize your husband was not meant to be your happily ever after. God was, and he put in us a longing to love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, which is what Jesus taught and is the priority of life. And then the second thing that Jesus said was, and then you will love your neighbor as yourself. When mm-hmm. I find my worth and my relationship with the Lord, when I understand that that big hole of longing for significance and longing for worth can only be filled by with what I was created to fill it with, which is his spirit and a relationship with him, When I realize that, then as I'm loving Jesus with all of who I am, my whole being, what spills out of me is his love for my husband. And then no longer is my husband my idol. No no longer do I have to look to him to be the one that provides, you know, making me feel special or worth, whatever. It doesn't mean I don't want romance. Oh, my goodness, I want romance. But it's letting him off the hook that he was never intended to be my happily ever after Jesus is. And then as you're loving your spouse with Christ's love, and if he is a follower of Christ and loving that way too, your marriage becomes a light that God can use to draw others to know his son, beginning your home, beginning with your, ch- your children. If your kids, you know, hear you preach Jesus, 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 but you're bickering back and forth or mad at their dad or, you know, talking behind dad's back when he's not home because he left his socks in the middle of the floor or whatever, um, you're not living in a way that's going to create an appetite in them to want to know your Savior. You're just preaching at them something that they have to see it transforms relationships, beginning with a relationship with Christ, spilling over into my relationship with my spouse, and then being able to love my children with Christ, selfless love, and not uh, for my own glory, making myself feel valuable because My kid plays the violin and he's six years old and, you know, gets straight A's in school or whatever. Mm, Right. So, so beautiful. And I remember the point where I realized that I was bottomless, that I kept looking to Dave, my husband, for all kinds of encouragement and help and support that he was not equipped to give me. God just didn't give him as much as I needed. And I was bottomless and he could try, but it was never going to be enough for me. And I remember that being a very good day, even though it was a very hard, it was the beginning of a new relationship with him because, I, like you said, it frees them to be who they truly are in Christ while giving us the opportunity to have our needs met through Christ instead of through them. <laughs> so what is something, you know, we hear this that people fall out of love, you know? I'm, I I just was in love, but now I'm not in love. And what's the myth about that one? Well, I think the how did you fall in love with your husband? What was it? Uh, You know, you hung on his every word. The things that he said, you know, you laughed out loud. It's like, ladies, can we LOL for our men like we did when we were dating? Uh, It's Mm -hmm. just one of those things that don't make them work so hard for our laughter. Uh, I think if we remember the way I fell in love with my husband, I was, our last name is Spee I was a stoppy stalker, and this was before the internet, so it was very difficult to have to find <laughs> ways to see where he was at and end up at the same place, and, and I hung on his every word, and I wanted to know all there was to know about him, and then I would think about the things that I treasured about my husband. And in, if my husband would change, I'd be happy. I encourage moms to remember those things. I mean, sorry, I encourage wives to remember those things that they fell in love with. You fell in love with your husband because your mind instructed your heart how to feel. And if we remember in the book of Philippians that Paul says, think on whatever is good and right and honorable and praise-worthy. So that means instead of dwelling on, oh, I didn't take the garbage out, and now i got to go do it, we refuse to think those thoughts. We take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, and we ask the Lord, help me to think on what I love about this man. And then don't we want them to do that for us? Don't we want them to overlook that we, you know, overdrew the bank account or, you know, whatever the thing is that, that drives them crazy? We want them to cover that with grace and with love, but we have to remember that, the way we fell in love with him was in our minds, and that's the way we stay in love. The One of my favorite dating memories, my husband and I, when we were not even dating, I just was totally, had a crush on him, and I was a cheerleader in high school, and I walked into a gymnasium, and he was playing a basketball game, and our eyes just met. Like, he did a layup on a basket, and then he stopped, and we both just, our eyes met, it kind of took my breath away, and then he ran back down the court to, to play basketball. And I love remembering those, because those were those butterfly moments. Those were those things that, That I just want to remember when he finally turned his attention toward me, how blessed I felt, how happy I was that he loved me and that he wanted to have a relationship with me. And I think that we have to remember that, ladies. Remember those butterflies? Remember how incredibly Mm -hmm. um, grateful we were when the phone rang and it was him or when he made it a point to walk across the room and ask how we were doing? I think it's important, too, that we continue to create those magical moments. And in If My Husband Would Change, I'd Be Happy, there's a chart that has four ways to create magical moments that you can look at. Hmm, That's great. Uh, the pastor who married us, and he's still just one of my most important mentors in my life, Roger Stacy. he said, and he did a sermon on this one, so I just, it was one of my favorite sermons of all time, but he said, if you don't love something in, enough, invest more. And mm-hmm. I just thought that because it's the principle of just requiring yourself to do it even if you don't feel like mm-hmm. it. You so know, this I am right. going to behave in a way that would be loving even if I don't have the emotions that back that up right now. So what's the Absolutely. number one divorce myth? What's the number one divorce myth that uh that's prevalent today? Well, I think the myth is uh and it's I would be happier married to someone else. The grass is not greener on the other side, ladies we have to remember that if this person that we have vowed to stay in relationship with, that we gave our heart to, if we start, first of all, as in the topic we just talked about, not thinking on whatever is good and right and honorable about them, if we are continually rehearsing in our minds the way they've let us down or the things that they've disappointed us, then we're going to start looking elsewhere for, you know, well, her husband's so much nicer to her and he seems so much more romantic. Gee, he reaches across and holds her hand in church. I wish my husband would do that. And we start dwelling on those things. And we may never act on those things. We may never, uh, you know, walk away from our husband and go have an, a, an affair or leave him for another person. Although sadly, more and more women are doing that, and the number one reason is because they're they're hooking up with people on the internet. They're finding someone who they have an emotional affair with. He understands me. He listens to me. Maybe it's a old high school sweetheart that finds you and you start talking again whatever that thing is, Satan will use whatever it is to lie to us to give us this um, uh, longing for something other than what we have. And when we are, are walking in sin, and if we don't know Jesus, let me stop right here because I can talk all day long about this, but my heart is that whoever is listening understands that the, the purpose of life is to know Christ and make Christ known. And if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and have an understanding that that's the reason you're on this planet, is to have a relationship with with God through what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross, uh, there is a section in the back of both of my books that's in the appendix, How to Have a Relationship with Jesus. And If you want to know how to have a fulfilling and and life that makes sense, it has to begin there with knowing him the way he meant for you to know him. And if we don't, or if we do know Christ, but we are walking in a place of believing the lie that I'd be happier married to someone else or that this husband's not measuring up to me, I wish he was more like that husband, there's a sin that washes over our mind and it quenches the spirit in our lives. And as we walk in sin, we become self-focused. And we struggle with self-worship. And in, when we're in a state of self-love instead of loving others, that's when we become susceptible, think, I deserve to be happy. I deserve to be happy with someone that does the things that I know I need to feel valued or loved. And when we're in that vulnerable state, and that's when we can look at a relationship and if it fails, we say, okay, there's got to be another one out here to make me feel complete, and there's a temptation to replace it with another one. So we have to determine to find our joy and our worth in our relationship with our Creator through Jesus Christ. Then we're going to be set free from looking to others to fill the void that only He can satisfy. And and moms and, and may not look to another man, but they may look to their children to satisfy a void. You know, that my, my husband doesn't listen to me, but my, my oldest child does, and I spill on them. Them, and I become emotionally burdensome to my child because they're feeling a need in me, and, and we don't want to do that, mom. And that's a whole other topic, but that's not healthy for your kids. Your your emotions and your and your loyalty needs to be knit to the heart of your husband. Um, and be aware, some women would never physically act on an affair, but they'll have an emotional affair. Whether it's on the internet talking to someone, maybe it's just reading. Um, romance novels or maybe it's watching soap operas or whatever that thing is that stirs in you a discontent for the man that you're married to. And let me just tell you, those soap operas or those romance novels where those men say those amazingly romantic things, most likely a woman wrote the script. So (laughs) don't be too excited about that. (laughs) Right, right. Well, this is (laughs) visiting today with Rhonda Stilpie of NoRegretswomen.com. We're going to come right back and talk about how successful wives think about sex. We'll be right back.
0: Christian Women's Events. At womensevents.info you can find events to attend. Learn how to plan amazing events for your group, or publicize your own upcoming Christian women's events. It's all available to you at womensevents.info. Just click your state to find all the major women's events coming to your area or Type in the month and year you'd like to attend an event to see all your options nationwide. It's that easy. If you want to promote an event, just click Add Event. Event publicity is available on a per-event basis or free to members. Finally, if you want to learn how to host awesome events, retreats, and well-attended conferences, click Event Planner Training. Once again, it's available a la carte or included in the membership. It's all online and here for you 24-7 anytime you have time at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info.
1: Are you enjoying every single bite eating with God? If not, visit www.eatingwithgod.com. That's eatingwithgod.com. Discover the easiest, most enjoyable way to move from where you are with food today to where God wants you to be in His perfect time and way. There are free daily bite recordings available to you at www.eatingwithgod.com. Or you can purchase the entire set of daily bites, 31 individual daily MP3 words of encouragement, plus the book, Gasping for Grace, 31 daily devotionals for discouraged dieters. To start moving toward your God-given ideal weight, visit www.eatingwithgod.com. That's www.eatingwithgod.com. Welcome back. This is Marty Sleberg. We're visiting today with Rondistopia on the topic, Ms. Lives Believe. Rhonda's new book is, If My Husband Would Change, I'd Be Happy. Rhonda, let's talk about the difference between what our culture is feeding us and how successful wives think about sex. You know, I think, number one, we have to realize that God is the one who gave us sex. He is the one who said, this is the way that I want a husband and wife to reaffirm their covenant to one another. And every time that a husband and wife interacts in a in their marriage bed, it, God smiles on the marriage bed. And so I think understanding that this is not something that, that it has to be endured by, by Christians. This is something that God said, I delight in the marriage bed. And I think for women who need to really stop and take a look at what sex means to your man. Most women are under the impression that men just have a strong sexual desire. It's a physical desire. But why do women make their husbands feel apologetic for wanting sex? I think one reason is because women... Um, they long for sexual intimacy, and it's emotionally driven, where we want to feel loved and desired and beautiful, but with our husbands, their desire seems to be a physical urge, and so it becomes really easy to wrongly assume that they're just acting selfishly and even resent that. I don't know about you, but when I had kids and you know, there's someone touching you all day long and hanging on you and you're nursing a baby and everyone's touching your skin. And your husband walks in the door and gives you that look, and you're like, if one more person touches me, I'm probably going to die. And having to realize that he's not being insensitive to what it is that you've been going through But God created him to long for you to meet that need that he has uh, physically by being sexually intimate with you. And just like we long to connect with our husbands through our emotions, we want him to talk to us, we want him to listen to us. You know, if your husband came in two weeks in a row and just sat and watched TV and clicked the remote and didn't look at you when you were trying to talk and didn't hear you or listen to you or interact with you, you would feel betrayed, you would feel wounded that he was not meeting this emotional need that you have to feel loved. And we need to realize, ladies, that your husband's God-given need to connect with you physically means just as much to him as good communication means to you. Neither of you are wrong. God just made you differently. And by design, God made you women to feel emotionally connected with our husbands through conversation. He made them to engage with us emotionally through sex. And then I think what happens the trouble comes is when wives and husbands both look past the need of their spouse you know wives will like well he doesn't listen to me and he doesn't if if i can't connect with him emotionally i'm certainly not going to have sex with him where the husband might be thinking you know i'm not going to sit and listen to her talk if she's not even willing to you know have sex with me and this ridiculous uh trying to coerce the spouse to meet their own need and it's always a recipe for disaster ladies we have to make no mistake Refusing to satisfy your husband's deepest need until he gives you the romance you desire will only serve to erode the very loving environment that you so desperately long for. So what do we do? If you really want to know, um, first of all, what did Jesus say? He had, what did he advise women to do? Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also for them. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, the golden rule. One of the key ways that we reflect God's perfect love to others is to treat them the way we want to be treated, and that works in our husband's relationship. As much as we long for emotional intimacy, are we going to be willing to do what God has called us to do? The ministry of sexual intimacy, you know, you're the only one that can satisfy a longing that God put in our husbands without shame, without any you know, fear of consequence, because in the marriage bed, sex is smiled upon by the Lord. So uh, here's some interesting facts that I um, uncovered for in, in my book, If My Husband Would Change, I'd Be Happy. He just wants you to want him. To help you gain an insight of how much that men want to be wanted by their wives, one survey revealed that 74% per- per of men said that they wouldn't be sexually satisfied if their wives just had sex with them out of obligation. Uh, Shanti Felden is the author of the book For Women Only, and I love that book. In fact, Shanti Felden wrote an endorsement for If My Husband Would Change, I'd Be Happy. And she quoted a husband, and it's, if you don't know about her book, it's an anonymous survey of men and what they think of all kinds of issues. And listen to these painful words that were written by a husband. We've been married for a long time. I deeply regret and resent the lack of intimacy of nearly any kind for the duration of our marriage. I feel rejected, ineligible, insignificant, lonely, isolated, and abandoned as a result. Not having the interaction I anticipated prior to marriage is like a treasure lost and irretrievable. It causes deep resentment and hurt within me. This, in turn, fosters anger and feelings of alienation. Ladies, we have to realize that if we we mistake our husband's need for sex as some sort of a primal urge to be satisfied, we're missing the ministry that God's given to us to affirm our husband's deepest emotional needs through sex. And I have to say that when you pursue your husband sexually, you have a profound influence on him in all areas of his life. Um, I don't know if most women realize it, but men tend to struggle with feelings of feeling inadequate or lonely. And when you find your husband's sexually desire, when you pursue him sexually, not just uh, give him what you know, it's probably time, it's, you're not going to be grouchy. He feels loved by you for who he is, and you actually will, will give him a sense of strength and well-being and confidence. One husband said this. What happens in the bedroom really does affect how I feel the next day at the office. Another husband said sex is a release of day-to-day pressures, and it seems to make everything else better. Ladies, when your husband says he feels better after you have sex with him, Be wise to understand that he's not simply saying about the physical pleasure that he experiences with you through lovemaking. He can't even maybe put into words the effect your lovemaking is having upon him, but it's affecting his emotional well-being, and it really does impact him in a big way. And if you just try it, ladies, you know, just watch and see the influence that will be reflected in your husband's confidence and his overall satisfaction with life. I encourage wives to say, I know that God is calling me to this ministry, and I know that I can do what i what god 's called me to do by his strength. Uh, I did not write in in this book about um some, some high points about sex, but I did write an e-book, and it's called A Christian Women's Guide to Great Sex in Marriage. And after August 1st, you'll be able to download that ebook from my website, uh, just helping women understand. You know, I know there's a lot of reasons that women don't enjoy sex. Some of it is uh, feeling guilt over maybe they were sexually active before marriage and they regret it, or perhaps they... Um, a lot of women who have had an abortion you know will tend to have um issues in their in their marriage bed, and I love just being able to tell women you know Jesus died for all of our sins and then under under his forgiveness, he says he doesn't remember our sins in fact he he places them as far as east is from the west. I love that God says east from west and not north and south. Because East never West, right? <laughs> Isn't that great? Okay. And so, you know, know, and what I do love too, I tell a lot of love stories. And in, in, throughout the whole book, every chapter contains at least one wonderful love story of what God accomplished through a couple that lived uh, in a way that reflected Christ's love to each other and in their generation. And I cried a lot of tears researching. I talked about Spurgeon's love story and um, uh, the Apostle Peter's love story and uh even David and Bathsheba. And what I love about David and Bathsheba's story, if you don't know it, you can read it in, in the book of of Samuel, first Samuel I think. Um you know, David had sex with Bathsheba when she wasn't his wife. But nowhere in that account does it say that he forced himself on her. As far as we can see, she willingly went to the bed of the king, even though she was married to Uriah. And of course, she got pregnant with David's child. And and at some point, uh, you know, Uriah was killed. And you can read that whole story. They hid their sin. You know, she married David, moved into his house. That they hid their sin for over about about a year before. Uh, Nathan the prophet confronted David. But my favorite part of that whole story is when David, you know, finally repented of his sin. And he talked about in Psalms, you know, oh, my bones just were breaking within me from my conviction of sin. But when he finally repented and he went into Bathsheba, she conceived Solomon. You know, David had a lot of lives, a lot of wives, and that's a whole other topic for another radio program. But he went into Bathsheba and God allowed her to conceive the next king of Israel. And the best part of that story, ladies, is that when God forgives, he forgives to the utmost. No matter what is in your past, whether it's keeping you from enjoying sexual intimacy with your husband because of guilt. um, I was molested when I was six years old and I don't have time to discuss all that right now, but even that, if that's the case, find a a biblical counselor that can help you work through those issues so that you can be free to enjoy the marriage bed the way that God intended to do that. And then whatever that thing is that Satan's trying to whisper in your ear and make you feel shame, understand God forgives to the utmost. And then he uses us. I love the scripture that says, no, I have seen no ear has heard, no mind can conceive what God has in store for those who love him. We're back to that love him thing again, not those that follow the rules and, and do all the things that maybe you'll catch catch Jesus' eye. As we fall in love with our Savior, God says, hang on and watch out, because I'm going to do through you exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think to ask me to do through your life. So cool. Well, this is Marty Slebert today's guest is Rhonda Stopey of NoRegretsWomen.com we're going to take a break and come right back and talk about why more money won't solve your marriage problems and 8 steps to making peace after a fight don't go away we'll be right back what's your next step are you tired of scouring the Internet to find the training you need to take you from where you are today to where you want to be? Stop searching and start moving towards your goals with over 150 targeted training modules available to you at Marnie.com. You can learn how to speak, how to write, how to get published, how to get media coverage, and so much more. All available at Marnie.com. That's M-A-R-N-I-E.com. Are you enjoying every single bite eating with God? If not, visit www.eatingwithgod.com. That's eatingwithgod.com. Discover the easiest, most enjoyable way to move from where you are with food today to where God wants you to be in His perfect time and way. There are free daily bite recordings available to you at www.eatingwithgod.com. Or you can purchase the entire set of daily bites, 31 individual daily MP3 words of encouragement, plus the book, Gasping for Grace, 31 daily devotionals for discouraged dieters. To start moving toward your God-given ideal weight, visit www.eatingwithgod.com. That's www.eatingwithgod.com. money troubles got you down, visit www.godlywealth.com to discover the fastest way to financial peace. You'll gain perspective, biblical training, and clear direction to help you move from terrified to triumphant. It's all free and available to you online at www.godlywealth.com. Not only will you learn a balanced, godly perspective about money, but you'll also enjoy scripture set to music, a wealth roster worksheet, and much more, all free and online at www.godlywealth.com. .com that's www.garbywells.com Welcome back this is Marnie and you've joined us at Marnie's Friends Radio Show which is live at Block Talk Radio every Wednesday afternoon and around the internet after that also at iTunes so you can listen anytime and all of the archive programs are available at marnie.com in the mentorship program uh Today's guest is Rhonda Stopey. She is the author of the book, If My Husband Would Change, I'd Be Happy. And she's here sharing with us some myths that most wives believe. Rhonda, money is a big deal in marriage. And a lot of people think that if they just had more money, they could get out of this cycle of fighting all the time and that Mm -hmm. would solve everything. But that's kind of a myth, isn't it? It really is, and if my husband would change, I'd be happy. One of the myths is more money equals less stress, Uh, and then I talk about growing rich in ways that you never imagined. You know, we have to realize, ladies, that God calls himself Jehovah-Jireh. How do we fall in love with someone? By knowing their character. All through Scripture, God reveals his character by telling us different names that attribute to different character qualities that he has. And when he says, I am your provider, I am the one who sees, I am the one who hears, I am the one who will meet your needs. We can stop looking to our husband to make us feel secure through material gain when we choose, like Jesus said, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Ladies, that's when we find contentment and peace in our marriage, and we will grow rich in ways that we never imagined. And this is a wonderful insight to make friends with other couples have set their hearts on eternity and then learn from their example. Titus 2 calls the older women to teach the younger and I, no matter how old you are, there's always a younger couple that needs to have some input from an an older couple that has walked in obedience to the Lord but when we were first married I was very materialistic, and I did look to my husband to provide all the comforts that I could have wanted, and we both worked full time, and our lives were about working and all of that. And as far back as I can remember, my husband, his name's Steve, um, he always wanted to be debt-free. That was his goal in life. I'm going to be debt-free. We're going to be living in the country, and we're going to be debt-free. And I'm like, oh, yeah, baby, because I loved him. I loved his dream. It's like, yeah, baby, we're going to be debt-free. And I just run those credit cards and, you know, whatever. And back in, this was in the 80s, we lived in the San Francisco Bay Area, and we used to buy houses and remodeled them. We'd move into them because we couldn't afford to not live in them while we worked on them. And this was back when it was not, there were no TV shows about this. Everybody thought we were crazy. <laughs> and we, we would literally move into one room of the house and then just do all the work ourselves. And it would take a long time. And as soon as that house would get to a place where it was ready to sell, we, My husband would come home, and he'd have that look in his eye, and he'd find another fixer-upper, and I would remember just like, oh, okay. But every time, he was just so talented, and the houses would just turn out so wonderful. And as we were doing that, my husband just kept saying, you know, we're doing this to, to eventually be debt-free. And I'm like, all right. Well, one day Steve came home and he had a real estate ad for a ranch in the mountains kind of east of San Jose, about an hour and a half outside of San Jose, in the middle of nowhere. It was an 80-acre ranch, really reasonably priced. And he's like, if we sell this house, we can afford to pay cash for this little ranch. I'm like, let's go look at it. So we drive up. The day that we drove up, it happened to be snowing, which is rare in those mountains, but it was snowing. And we pulled up to this cute little one-bedroom cottage covered with snow, and I saw... In Steve's face—that was his dream, and he was so excited. And I knew I held this man's dream in my hands. Mm. So I said, "All right, let's let's do it." So we sold our place and I closed escrow. We went back to see our house sometime in March, and the um, snow had melted, and the house—it was, was a shack, Marty. We bought a shack, and it wasn't cute and charming when the snow melted. And I was just unbelievably. <laughs> We had two children at the time, and so we put them in the one bedroom in the house on bunk beds, and Steve and I slept on the sofa bed in the living room. There was no power. I figure you just call the power company and they plug you in. I lived in that house on a generator for a year and a half waiting for the power company to engineer. Oh, my goodness. And it was hot, so hot where we lived, and it wasn't that hot in San Francisco Bay Area. So we moved into this wow. house, and oh my And my husband would go to work and come home and try to remodel and add on to the house in the night. And we worked as we had the money because we were trying to stay debt free, so it took a long time. And all I could do was just can't, couldn't believe it was my life. And then top it off, I got surprised pregnant with my youngest daughter, Kayla, which I will say she is the best surprise God ever gave me. <laughs> but I did my entire pregnancy with Kayla on a sofa bed. And she was born – she was trying so hard to get a bedroom done before she came home from the hospital. And while all this was going on, of course, when you live in the country, you get horses, and we had hay, and the neighbor's cows were eating the horse hay. And one day I was outside, and I I was like eight and a half months pregnant, and I took a two-by-four, and I hit one of the neighbor's cows across the head to get it off of the hay, and it turned and looked at me and made a a strange mooing sound. And I realized, what am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) And I burst into tears, and I went into the house, and I'm like, how is this my life? I was homecoming queen. (laughs) I go in the house, and I'm crying. My two-year-old son is looking at me like I've lost it. And I tell that story because as we worked on that house, that was something that we did together. And God Mm -hmm. knit our hearts together in this project and through this sacrifice And we worked on the house, and we got another bedroom, and and God just did an amazing work. Anyway, long story short, in the meantime, while all that was going on, there was a church that we had in a town called Patterson, which was only about 35 minutes from where our home was instead of San Jose, where we had been involved in youth ministry. And we found this little church, and long story short, a decade later, that church asked my husband to be the senior pastor. We'd always been in youth ministry, and we had always, you know, my husband had always been bi mm. and he'd gone to Bible college. But because this little church had asked him to be the pastor, um, we had no mortgage payment. We had no house payment because I had let my husband pursue his dream. We were able to say yes to take this full-time position in a church that couldn't afford to pay a salary. I mean, this is California housing prices. And if we had not bought this house and stayed debt-free and had no mortgage on it, we would not have been able to afford to say yes to that job. And all all I can say is that whatever we did not be – we're not able to purchase for our kids because of the the salary cut that we took, because of the the financial uh, adjustments that we had to make going into full-time ministry and and continuing to be debt-free – there's no regrets. There's no regrets because what we have pursued was seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness. And as he has always met our needs, he has always, my kids were raised in um, ministry home. But there was never anything that they would say that they, you know, wished that they would have had that they weren't able to have because their dad was a pastor. And I know that a lot of what – and it doesn't mean we gave them everything. Please don't, don't misunderstand that. But the, the priorities that God uh, put on our hearts and the things that, that they needed, God provided. And, ladies, I think sometimes we live just at the edge of our of our income, you know, and we're one, one – um, paycheck away from losing everything and honestly mine and my husband's aha moment came when we were living in san jose and remodeling houses he was working in construction and we were um by vocational he was uh the interim youth pastor at a church and the church had come to him and asked him to be the full-time youth pastor and we had been you know holding our lives out lord use us however you want if you want us in full-time ministry we would love to pursue that and Steve came home, and he's like, hey, they offered me this, this job. I'm like, let's do it. That's what we've been praying for. And he said, we can't. We can't afford to take that job because we have such so much debt. And in a moment, God brought us to our knees. He humbled us, and he revealed to us our hearts. We were praying with our mouth that we want to serve you with all that we have and all that we are, but what we were living was feeding this this money, you know, monster that we were feeding, and so we, that's when we decided we need to sell everything and we need to become debt free and be available for the, for God to use us. Uh, and my husband, who wrote at the end of every chapter from a husband's perspective, and if my husband would change, I'd be happy. He uh, takes a moment to kind of land on that story and explain not everyone, God's not calling everyone to be debt-free and to forsake all to go into full-time ministry. We understand that and that's not the point of our story. The point of my story is that that was the dream that God had put in my husband's heart that if I would have said, no, I want to be comfortable. I want the house that I want. I want to live the way that I've always been accustomed to living. I deserve and this is what's going to make me happy. I would have missed seeing, number one, the plan that God has for us. And we know, you know, Jeremiah 29:11. I know the plans I have for you to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope in the future. But Ephesians says that he saved us unto good works, that he ordained in advance that we should walk in them. He knows what's down the path for us. And if he's putting uh, in our hearts to stop pursuing comfort and security in how much money we make and in our possessions, it's because he knows a greater good that he's going to do through our lives and you know i've lived where all my bills were met and all of our you know finances were paid and i've lived where you're wondering lord where's the next penny going to come from and i gotta say when you're living the where's the next penny going to come from you're on your knees and you're you're holding hands with your husband and you're looking to jesus for that provision it's a sweet place to live. And I think so often we trust in our credit cards and jump to uh, fix whatever it is that we think is, is wrong instead of at least giving God a chance to show up and to meet those financial needs. So oh, great. Well, let's go ahead and dive right into the eight steps to making peace after a fight because all couples fight. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Isn't that true? Every couple fights, and there are eight steps to making peace in my book, If My Husband Would Change, I'd Be Happy. The The reality is that the way that we're going to work through our disagreements is there's going to be times when you're not going to see the same. And I remember when we first got married and not having seeing eye to eye on everything was really um, – kind of a disappointment you're thinking oh no I thought we thought the same and we were going to think the same and you know ladies we have to understand that sometimes we can agree to disagree and sometimes we don't have to talk our husbands into a corner to where he finally goes okay I see it your way it's okay if we don't see eye to eye but what we have to realize is that if there is an attitude of conflict in our home not just a decision you know like about uh you know are we going to let the kids do this? Are we going to buy this? Or But if it's a constant battle, if there is a constant quarrelsome attitude going on between husband and wife, you know, the Bible says that the man, the woman of God is not argumentative. So we can know that if we are living with our dukes up, you know, I'm not going to let you get the best of me. I'm going to get, get the last word in. We have to know that we're not living in obedience to the way Lord the Lord has called us to live, you know we all know the proverb that talks about it's better to live in the corner of a housetop than with a cantankerous woman. Uh, ladies, I I just want to challenge you. If your if there's always conflict in your home, you have to step out and before the Lord say, what's my part in that? Am am I just argumentative, or am I always having to have the last word? Do I always have to be right? Does everyone walk on eggshells around me? And, to, and if I don't get my way, do I do I torture my family with the silent treatment? Maybe you're not someone that that says a word, but those cabinets in the kitchen are slamming, or you know you're not looking your husband in the eye until he says he's sorry, or whatever. Um, maybe your husband says what's wrong, and you say I'm fine, you know, and and you know you're not fine. And ladies, let me just warn you: if your husband asks and you say I'm fine. Uh, don't be surprised if he doesn't ask again because he's like, all right, I asked. So be willing if they ask for you to say, I do have something that I want to talk to you about. But if you um, are in the habit of not admitting that you have a problem, if uh, I know that tension in the house, if it's a familiar thing, if you've been raised with conflict, you may not even know this is not how the house of someone who is a Christ follower should be should be run. Your kids should not be concerned that in a moment's notice there's going to be this argument that goes back and forth between mom and dad. Uh, So first of all, acknowledging your simple bent, what is your knee-jerk reaction when you feel offended or disrespected or when you're hormonal? Uh, I know when when we're hormonal, I would tell um, young moms that I mentor, Wait three days before you address the issue that you feel so strongly about. Wait three days. And then if you still feel like it's a big deal, talk about it. Because I think a lot of times our hormones, you know, blow things way out of proportion. After my third child, I um, was left with partum, which I hadn't had. That with my first two. And remember, I was living in a small house with no power on a generator. um, And I would cry. And I remember one day when I was, you know, crying, I was actually really ranting to Steve and I looked into his face, and he was trying desperately to understand how he could make things better. And in that moment, I realized how much I was hurting my husband with my hurtful words and, and with my even hurting our marriage, just chiseling away. And, you know, in, my husband and I have been in, in ministry for thirty over 30 years. And I have watched wives just chisel away at the love and the unity in their marriage as they just nitpick or or undermine or um, correct or whatever those things are that they're constantly coming on to their husband. And a lot of times it's it's our hormones that have a lot to do with that. So evaluating that, being willing to say, is this something that I need to look at? Uh, when When I – after I was done being postpartum I had PMS and I think they call it PMD now but it was it was rough and I am a person who loves to be around people, very social. I'm pretty even keel and I became somebody else and I was very fragile and like noises would just get on, you know, my very last nerve and I remember saying to my kids on many occasions, please don't make any unnecessary noises. <laughs> it's like, I'm so sorry. If you're listening now, my children, I am so sorry that I did that you. But at the time, I knew I was really struggling. And I remember when Steve would look at me, whenever those like 28 days would come around and he would look at me and I would see disappointment in his face. And instead of, you know, blaming him for the way that I was feeling, I really wanted to help him understand how much I needed his help and his understanding. So I told him a story and ladies, let me just tell you, if you want your husband to understand something uh, that you're struggling with or dealing with, or that you want him to help you with, you want to find something that he can identify with and that touches his emotions or that gives him an aha moment, um, I think of as an example of that when Bambi, the movie came out, Bambi, that year there was a huge decrease in, in hunting for deer and they say it was because the moms and the children were weeping, going, Don't kill Bambi So there's something that when we when we have a story it emotionally touches us and it can move us, um, to do or to make a change. So what I told Steve, I said, Okay, this is what's happening to me and he's known me since I was fourteen years old and he's like, You're not who you were I'm like, I know, I wanna be But I said, you know, imagine there's a full moon and every full moon you were going to turn into a werewolf. And it did not matter that you didn't want to be a werewolf. You were going to be a werewolf. And the only hope you had was that someone would care enough about you to lock you up and keep you away from the people that you love while you were a werewolf because you were going to eat them. And my husband, if I could have seen the light bulb on top of his head, there was this aha moment (laughs) that he said, I get it. I get it. And after that, he tried his best to help me, and we lived on a ranch whenever those crazy you know times would come and what I would do is I would seclude myself i didn't rant and rave. I knew if one word started out of my mouth i wouldn't I wouldn't be able to stop, so I would pull in i always say the only fruit hanging on my vine back in those days, you know love joy, peace gentle patience long suffering self control was self control I'm like, I will not speak <laughs> until this is over." <laughs> And when my husband, so he built chicken coops and fences. He was outside with the kids all the time. They were filthy, but they were happy. So first of all, understanding, I knew it was it was me that needed to help uh, make him understand. This is something I need your help with. And if you do have PMS, ladies, I, I finally, my husband said, you've got to go to a doctor and get some help. And let me encourage you, it is a real issue for some women, and, and don't, uh, if you don't have it, please do not assign guilt to the women that do have it, because it is definitely an imbalance of the hormones, and there is help for that. And then now I'm 54 years old, and I just went through menopause, and I actually um, there'll be another book on my website that is called The Midlife Wife after August 1st. But the next thing we have to do is refuse to be argumentative, and then we have to make peace a priority. You know, I remember there was a couple that came into our office, mine and my husband, to to receive some, some mentoring in their marriage. And they were talking about they both work full time and the husband was gone and the wife was gone and the teenagers were always in uh, not being supervised. So they were getting in trouble. And so we kind of talked about, you know, why don't one of you – Work less hours. Well, we can't afford to do that. And house, well, what if you sell your house and buy a smaller house? And what if you don't have the newest and nicest of cars? And what if you make some financial adjustments so that one of you can either stay home or one of you can at least work less hours so the kids, when they're out of school, are not without supervision. To which one of the um, people responded and said, "We, you know, we worked hard to have this house and we want these things and we, you know, I work hard. I deserve to enjoy what I what I have and we, we don't want to do that." Well, within a year that couple was divorced and both husband and wife were living in an apartment and both of them struggling financially and the kids were less supervised than ever because mom and dad were, you know, dealing with their own um heartache from from the divorce. And ladies, there's we have to understand there is peace has to be a priority because if we chisel away at our marriage and if the thing that's not letting you have peace is just too much stress in your life, too many, you know, I in, in my mom's Raising Sons to Be Man book, I talk about the captivity of activity that we want to put our kids in every sport and every dance lesson and music lesson and school and, you know, all of those things and we're constantly on the run and not having dinner together as a family and not spending any time together. Um, that That's Stress just chisels away at the integrity of our relationships with our with our husband and it makes not a peaceful home and a place where we're raising our kids so the next one i'm going to review those really quick because i kind of went, the first is admit that you have a problem the second is acknowledge your sinful behavior and what you can do about it the third is to review, refuse to be argumentative the fourth is make peace a priority and the fifth is to pray without ceasing You know, the Bible says that we are to pray without ceasing, that we are to, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person accomplishes much in its doing. And, you know, we have to understand that God has called us to pray. In fact, in Samuel, he says, Far be it from me to sin against God by refusing to pray for you. So when we are not praying for our husband, we're not praying for our children, we're not just sinning against them, we're sinning against the Lord. Our ministry to our husbands, ladies, is to be the greatest prayer support. Praying, you know, the Bible talks about you have not because you ask not. So asking the Lord to make up my home a home of peace to convict me when I am responding in an argumentative manner or when I am responding in a way that's causing hurt or, or you know, making the peace in my home be feel betrayed. The next one is to forgive your husband as many times as necessary, and Jesus said 70 times 7, and then seek godly counselors. That's, you know, Titus 2 women that we've been talking about. And the next one is to learn to be a peacemaker. And if you... Uh, Look in, if my husband would change, I'd be happy. There are steps to becoming a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper, but a peacemaker. Many wives weep for a good marriage, but they will not roll up their sleeves to do whatever it takes to get there. When you employ the steps to become a peacemaker, your Christ-like character will certainly bring peace into your marriage. That's mm. uh, great. Well, this is Marty. We're visiting today with Rhonda Sophie of .com. We're going to come right back and finish the show with how to grow your marriage instead of shredding it. And the biggest marriage myth of all. We'll be right back.
0: WomenSpeakers.com is the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, featuring over 1,700 women speakers from every experience level, denomination, and fee range, some near you. Visit womenspeakers.com to find the perfect speaker for your next event or to get training to be a speaker, author, or media personality. All training and connections occur online anytime you have time. Find a speaker, add a speaker, or become a speaker at www.womenspeakers.com.
1: Do you lead a women's Bible study or know someone who does? Check out BibleStudyExpo.com. That's www.BibleStudyExpo.com. Here you'll meet the authors of the most recently released Bible study books for women. You'll meet Liz Curtis-Higgs, Lisa Bevere, Pam Farrell, Elisa Morgan, and dozens of other Bible study book authors. Each author is given 15 minutes to share the story behind her book her ideal audience and a little bit about the study's format so you can decide which Bible studies you want to introduce next. It's all available to you free and online at www.biblestudyexpo.com. That's www.biblestudyexpo.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie Swedberg, and I welcome you to our program on Ms. Wives Believe with our guest Rhonda Stopia of NoRegretsWomen.com. Rhonda, we just have a few minutes left. What is a way to grow our marriage when instead of shredding it? Uh, it's hard, it's maybe hard to do. <laughs> yes. Well, the the myth is our marriage would be better if bad things would stop happening. And the response to that is the joy of the Lord is your strength. My husband, Steve was injured in a motorcycle accident about nine years ago. He shattered his hip and damaged his sciatic and laid for seven hours. They couldn't get to him. Big long story. And and they finally uh, flew him to the hospital and he was in traction for nine days and uh, had just a lot of pain and a, a surgery that was quite intense. And, as all of that was going on, I, I never left the hospital. They flew him to Stanford, and I stayed with him the whole time. And while I was with him, my heart just was breaking watching him um, be in pain. And uh, he's just this joyful guy. And you know, my husband and I make it a point not to tell people that he's a pastor. People treat you differently if they think you're you're a pastor. So we don't. So all the nurses didn't know anything about what he was, you know, what he did for a living or whatever. And they were great. And after he'd been there for about a week, the children from our church brought this big old poster and they drew all these pictures, and Steve, and blood spurting from his hip, and uh, like a helicopter rescuing him, and, you know, it was all over the, the room of the, of the hospital, and one nurse came in, and, you know, he finally, he said, no, I'm not a teacher, I'm a pastor, these are my kids. So uh, at that point, different people were coming in, um, uh, can I ask you some advice? And it was Pretty funny. Anyway, as all this was happening, I was just, um, the, the scripture that just kept flooding over my mind was, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And as I would watch Steve, you know, in pain, and and he has some permanent damage in one of his legs, and and I was just wounded in my heart and deepest in my soul. And the joy of the Lord is your strength was what the Lord just kept whispering to my heart. And then my oldest, uh, my youngest two children had come to the hospital when they went home one night. Um, We hadn't realized how cold it had gotten, and the pipes had burst in our house, and 5,000 gallons of water flooded our home. And the kids mm. called, and you know, we're just, yeah, right. And season traction, and I'm like, okay. Mm. And honestly, Nehemiah eight ten, the joy of the Lord is your strength, just kept washing over my mind. And you know, it, as I was thinking of this, and and you know, okay, God, I know that's true. I know that's true. And fighting for joy, and sometimes, ladies, when things bad things are happening, we have to fight for joy because Nehemiah was saying that's where you're going to find your strength, people, as they're rebuilding the wall, and they've got a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. He's saying, you need to fight for joy. Ladies, our houses have to be a joyful place. The joy of the Lord is the strength of your marriage. It's the strength of your family. It is the strength of your life. And we have to fight for joy. So as all of this stuff is going on, we finally brought Steve home from the hospital. And our church had come up and stripped all the carpets and the hardwoods out of the house. And we were on concrete. And we're sitting there in the house. Steve's in pain this one man kept wanting to come and visit him. And I was like, okay, finally I let him come. This man ended up coming to Christ. My husband led him to the Lord. And a week later, he brought me a card. And in that card was this little wooden chisel thing. And I opened it up and it said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And as I just cried, it's like the Lord sent Mm -hmm. me this note through this brand new believer. And (laughs) what washed over me was, how precious are your thoughts toward me, O God, how vast are the sum of them. The joy of your Lord is your strength, ladies. And I don't have time to go through all of that, but my youngest granddaughter was just born with some... um, some disabilities, uh, and, and I can't think of the right word, and a syndrome that my, I'm now watching my daughter and son-in-law. And the joy of the Lord is their strength as they walk walk Ivy Love through all of what she's having to go through. Oh little Ivy Love. Love the name. Okay, oh, she's so sweet. <laughs> yeah, keep her in our purse, too, little Ivy Love. Love that. Um, let's, like, 30 seconds, Rhonda. What's the biggest marriage myth of all, and why do women have to know the truth? The biggest marriage myth of all is that there's no such, that happy, I'm sorry, that happily ever after is a fairy tale. Uh, if you go through mom, uh, my new book, If My Husband Would Change, I'd Be Happy. There are so many happily ever after stories. And I don't have time to tell you the Apostle Peter and his wife story. I wish I did. I don't know if anyone knows, but they were crucified together. And it's the words that a, a secular Uh, historian observed that he said to his wife as she marched to her crucifixion ladies, God's called us in history for this time to live in a manner worthy of our calling, to love our husbands in a way that causes our children and the watching world to say I need to know the Jesus that they say they love and serve and if my husband would change I'd be happy it's just a personal mentor for moms that want to I mean women that want to build a no regrets marriage Oh, and it's available it. on thank Amazon. You. Thank you so much for being here, Rhonda. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it very much, Marnie. And thanks you guys for being here. You want to go check out Rhonda's website, which is noregretswoman.com and also of course her new book. If my husband would change, I'd be happy. That's just one of them is. But you've heard them all here today and uh encourage people to come and listen to this in the archives. Okay, you guys have a great day. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. money troubles got you down visit www.godlywealth.com to discover the fastest way to financial peace you'll gain perspective biblical training and clear direction to help you move from terrified to triumphant it's all free and available to you online at www.godlywealth.com not only will you learn a balanced godly perspective about money but you'll also enjoy scripture set to music a wealth roster worksheet and much more all free and online at www.godlywealth.com com that's www.